everyone. Welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. Coach Steve here. We have Nick back with us. Scotty is here as well. He is no longer has the burning room. Anfield is back doing well after last weekend. Scott, I got to start with you because your boys, they screwed me and you got to be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, it was a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, I think we've learned one thing about Liverpool this season, and that's they play better with 10 men on the pitch than 11. Um, I think they are they are up 3-0 when they're 10 men on the pitch, and I think it's something like uh, 2-2 or 2-1 um, when they have all 11 guys on the field. So it uh, might be a strategy for Klopp moving forward. Let's just keep more space open, take a guy off. You know, don't have to wait for a red card and, and lose him for the next match, but uh, it's it was certainly a nice twist. Um, I'm happy to see my boy Darwin Nunez succeeding. Um, I've been bummed that he hasn't been starting this season. I, I get that they've been trying to experiment more with Gakpo and, and Jota as, as like a false nine. But I mean, when you're spending 100 million euros on a striker, um, you, you got to play him. I, I don't care. You, you have to play him. He didn't set the world on fire last year, but he wasn't you know bad by any means. And uh, he, he's starting to show that he's putting the you know, finishing touch together now, um, scoring goals. And, uh, you know, he's got two goals in the season and I think something like 33 minutes played, give him a start, give him a start. I was going to argue that sometimes they have nine men on the field because Gakpo has been, he's been terrible. Bad. We said that in our preview and I, I, no. you know, we asked, we asked Andrew the question, you know, what do you think about Gakpo? Cause I've been lukewarm on him at best, but, and I don't think it's his fault. I just don't think Gakpo is a false nine midfielder. I think he's a winger. I think he plays best when he's out in the left wing. But we have Luis Diaz out there, who's probably been Liverpool's player of the season so far. So what are you going to do? He just seems like the odd man out in terms of talent. Forget about position. I mean, positionally, it's it's tough when you have so many good players to fill so many only so many roles. But he's the odd man out because he's the worst player, I think, out of all the options. Just my is. And I, I don't I think he would be great as out. an impact sub, though. Like bring him yeah. in. Right. Like when Luis Diaz is running around the pitch for 70 minutes. Take him off, bring on Gakbo. Gakbo can, you know, have a little bit more possession-based game. It's not going to be as, you know, pacey and, and direct, but I think he's a good option off the bench. Yeah. So I, I hope Nunez gets to start, you know, this weekend against Villa. We'll see. I feel like Klopp is going to kind of hold on to this false nine thing until at least the international break. But the guy's earned it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I have to take fault for my Tottenham loss because as soon as I turned the match on, I was feeling pretty good. I turned it on, you know, midway through the second half or so, and as soon as I turned it on is when. Nunez scored the first time and then scored the second time. Uh, rough, rough loss for me. Rough loss for the pod as we finished yeah. four and six on the weekend, down exactly two units somehow with the, the numbers that we hit. So, not ideal for us, but the pod lock did keep locking again. Yes, uh, Barcelona came through. Scary, scary times there, but they ended up coming through with the four three victory. Uh, another one that really made us sweat because they were up two nothing in the first half and, and blew that lead, but. We have to we have to bounce back this week, right? I mean, yeah. I guess before we move on to this week, let's just talk about some things we noticed last weekend. I've, I'll start with Serie A. I just have to say, Serie A looking a lot like last season in terms of teams dropping results, right? Teams that shouldn't be losing matches or, or dropping two points in a draw. You go through Atalanta, start of the weekend, losing at home to Frozenone, 2-1. Shocker, right? I think Nick and I both agreed that Frozenone is probably the worst team in the league on paper. Yeah. Um, should be relegated, and they they lost that match. Roma lost 2-1 at, at Hellas, uh, a bit of a surprise there. Fiorentina blew a 2-0 lead at home to Lecce and Drew. Um, and Lazio losing 1-0 at home to Genoa. Matteo Vertegui, the Italian, Italianized Argentine, right? First, Could have had three goals First uh, match against your boys, and he scored. Um, really, just Inter. Oh, I almost forgot. Juventus, 1-1 against Bologna, right? Oh. They had to come back and get the result there. So, 
of the top eight teams on paper, five dropped points, Napoli, Inter, and Milan remained perfect. Nick, what stood out to you in Serie A last weekend? So we didn't do an official Serie A preview on on the podcast this year, uh, but I did go on with our our good friend Martino, went for about an hour together in depth, and anybody could check that out um, on his Twitter, on our Twitter, if you haven't. I, I think one of the things that we had said, and I know the three of us have talked about it offline, we haven't said it on the air, but one of the things that we've said seems to be very, very true through two weeks, and that's Napoli, Inter, Milan are the class of the league. Everybody else is fighting for fourth place or worse. And based on the results, Coach Steve just read off, that is 100% true. Um, these are, you know, the other teams are, are dropping points against relegation teams, against bottom 10 teams. You can't have that because the Napoli's and Inters of the world certainly aren't going to make those mistakes. Milan is off to a flying start, I think. They're not the biggest surprise, but they're definitely uh, – I didn't think that their offense would gel this good this that, quickly. That, that's the word, the gel, right? I didn't think they gel so fast. So um, that's been uh, definitely a bright spot. They're fun to watch. I think uh, we'll certainly get into our picks. You, you, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you see uh, who I'm a believer in this week. Um, I think Inter yeah, – I will reiterate, I think it's tough to go against the defending champs and, and Napoli are a great side. But my thoughts there, and, and Scotty, I know, is, is a believer in this as well. They're going to be greatly impacted by the Cup of Nations this year. Uh, OC Men, you know, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. He's going to miss at least a month planned, probably more than that, because people come back injured. So I think that's a knock on Napoli. They need to stack as many goals and as many points as they can early on, which they seem to be doing. But Inter, to me, uh, has the d- deepest team in the league. I mean, they they cruised to a 2 nothing victory this past week. They were up two goals relatively early, and I don't think they, that, you know, they were in neutral from there on out. They never got worried. So I think that's going to be a theme for that team all season. They're, they're going to try to do well in all three cups, and they have to imagine they could win the league. Uh, you know, they have to have that belief, I think, after last year. Yeah, I think all three of those teams definitely have to have the belief. Napoli, Inter, yep. and Milan after the, at least after the first two weeks, right? On paper, they all seem to be the strongest trio, and I think on the pitch they've proved it so far. And and like you said, they have the the rosters to do it. Um, Scotty, we'll jump to the Premier League for you. Premier League, some surprise results too. West Ham beating Brighton three one, definitely unexpected at Brighton. That not one we expected to see. We talked about the Liverpool Newcastle result. Newcastle up a man, up a goal at home. Definitely a surprise there. I mean, City, they had their hands full um, with Sheffield for quite a while. Yeah. Arsenal dropped points to Fulham. Um, Villa's been hot. United had a tough time with Nottingham Forest. Uh, Chelsea really kind of cruised against Lutton Town, which we expected. Tottenham continues to impress so far the first couple weeks of the season. What, what stood out to you last weekend? Oh, and we guess we have to throw in that Everton hasn't scored a goal in three yeah. weeks. Your, your bitter rivals there. <laughs> Yeah, I think the theme so far in the Premier League this season is that there's no clear team that is the class of the league right now. Um, you know, City, as you mentioned, they're they're sitting there at nine points through three matches. Can't really ask much more from them, but they certainly haven't looked great. And with the injury to De Bruyne, I certainly think they're more vulnerable this season than they probably have been in years past. Uh, Holland is going to be a little bit isolated. We saw him getting frustrated in the first half against Sheffield United, not getting the service he's used to. Um, Grealish and, and Foden are going to have to step up in that regard and, and maybe even to an extent Alvarez. Um, so we'll see how how they kind of you know round out their their roster going into the you know the first half of this season now. 
Um, Arsenal, who we all kind of have pegged as being potential repeat title contenders, have looked shaky, dropped points to Fulham this weekend. Um, I, I think the offense isn't quite clicking as well as it was last season. They certainly don't seem to have the same mentality where they just come out. Remember, I, I think I made a, a ton of money last season taking Arsenal first half money line because they would come out and they'd score, you know, two or three goals within the first 30 minutes in, in regular cadence. And, and that hasn't been happening this season. Um, and then Newcastle, who I think was kind of a question mark, right? They're going to have to deal with Europe all season long. Um, they haven't looked great to start the season. Granted, I think they probably had the hardest schedule to start the season, getting both Definitely. Liverpool and City in their first three matches, but nothing to really write home about aside from maybe Alexander Isak's play. Um, yeah. So there's not been a real runaway front runner, front runner in the Premier League, which is good, good for, for the you know competition and, and the appeal of the league. But I think there is some clear seller dwellers to start the season. Um, yeah. Everton, certainly one of them. Um, lots of concern on the other side of the Mersey. Um, have yet to score a goal, as Coach mentioned. Uh, really potentially dire stuff. I mean, if, you, if you're a patron and you've been reading our power rankings, I've been writing about how Everton's scheduled to start the season before this international break at the end of September is about as soft as it's going to get. And then after that international break, when you get into October through the holiday period, they play 12 of their matches. Eight of them are against teams that are projected to finish in the top half of the table. So it, it does not get any easier for them. And if they're they're not taking advantage of the softness of the schedule now, it could be a very long season for them because it'll certainly be another season where they're constantly being talked about as potential relegation candidates. Um, and then aside from them, I think, you know, Luton Town, we, we you know, they're, they're a good story. You know, we talk about their stadium and, and kind of have, you know, some jokes at that, that the stadium's expense, but uh, Kenilworth Road still not quite up to Premier League standards. They had to, you know, miss their first home game against Burnley, uh, which really would have been an opportunity for them to get points. But as such, they've had to open the season with two away games and they haven't looked good. Um, they've lost both games by three plus goals. Um, I think they're prime candidates to go back down. I think they're the management is kind of expecting that because you see them not investing uh, a whole lot in, in newcomers, kind of like Forrest did last year. They went out and spent 150 million pounds on transfers just to try to stay up. Um, so I think Luton Town are, are probably taking the long-term approach here, maybe not going to invest as much in, in new players and hope that they can come back up with a little bit more sturdy financial standing. Yeah, yeah. so de definitely a lot to talk about there. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say, Arsenal, it's funny. Um, you said they've struggled. We know Jesus has been hurt. If only they had a forward that could play that, you know, top number nine role that was just sitting there. I don't think Kite has been bad. I know you're talking about uh, USA National. You're talking about Balogun. Yeah. I think like, they're trying to move him. I think no, they, they, they are. Wanna... But I mean, don't you think that's the one thing that's looked a little bit off for them so far this year? I don't know. I think the midfield hasn't quite hit its stride you know i think uh sock has been okay he's been pretty good but he hasn't been you know last season i think he was great and and martinelli was the guy that everyone's kind of flagged as being a, a guy to make the jump and you know he's been been good not great as well um so i, I don't necessarily think that balligan would be the difference between them sitting at nine points and seven but uh it, i think it's just they haven't quite clicked yet this season for whatever it whatever reason maybe it's a little bit of a slow start um but once they get up and running, I expect them to kind of hit that mid-season stride. And hopefully for, for Gunners fans that they could kind of recreate some of that that magic they had last season where they were banging in goals left and right, especially in, early in the first half. Um, that usually takes, you know, it forces the opponent to play out more and that opens up to more goal scoring opportunities. Yeah, Balaguna was, uh, as far as I know, in Monaco today for his medicals. So he is yeah. no longer in the picture there. Interesting that he never really got a chance, like Nick yeah. said, considering the injury to Gabby Jesus. 
Um, maybe could have helped out. And Ketier did score last week, though. So, um, and like you said, Scott, no, no clear front runner in terms of like domination so far. But City three wins um, in three is is has to be a concern for the other teams that have dropped points so far. It has to be. Yeah, I, I, their big their big win though really is Newcastle, right? You know, it's it's they they got Burnley yeah. and Luton Town to start the season. So, and in both of those games, I think were at home. Um, or not Luton Town, sign. They got Burnley and Sheffield United, the other Sheffield, yeah. club. Um, so I don't know. It, they haven't really played anybody tough besides Newcastle, and they squeaked that one out. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, TBD on City I, I, again. I think they're more vulnerable vulnerable this season than they have been in the last three or four years. Yeah, and there could be some of that winter hangover too, right? You mm-hmm. finally won the Champions League. You are a little, maybe slightly less driven because you've kind of won everything now. It's natural. It's human nature a little bit. So we'll see if that has an effect too as the season wears on. And, and if Rodri goes down, I think they're in big trouble. Because yeah. their midfield is already kind of short and Rodri has certainly been holding things together. And, and Kovacic will be fine, but he's not, we saw him at Chelsea, he's not a, a guy that's going to anchor a midfield. Right. Um, so yeah. they got to hope that Rodri has a, a very healthy season and is, you know, aptly rotated by pep throughout the season and i ask this like scared to find out the answer but like how much better can Haaland be i mean i feel like i asked this week in and week out right exceptional i mean i think it's within the realm of possibility he repeats comes close to what he did last year maybe does a little bit better but how much more is that improving this team because they've already gotten that from him right like what's he gonna do score 40 I, i don't know yeah. And the problem is like he he is one of those strikers that is reliant on service coming into him. He he doesn't create, you know, for himself. You know, we, we've seen games where he gets, you know, three or four touches in the first half, but is completely isolated. Um, and you know, without De Bruyne kind of being there to unlock things and open things up from distance, we kind of saw with Sheffield United, they kind of keyed in on him. They're being physical with him, they're getting him off his game. Um, he was getting visibly frustrated and you know he is young. People forget that. Like he is great, but he's also very young. There's certain levels of maturity that comes with that, which he doesn't quite have yet. And I'm sure he'll develop over the course of his career, but he'll be susceptible to having, you know, off nights and and that's going to cost city because there's nobody else to pick him up right now. Yeah, for sure. So looking ahead to this week in the premier league, since we're in the, we're in England right now, let's stick to it. A couple matches jump out at me. Uh, One of them being Brighton Newcastle. I think that's going to be a big match for those two sides. I think, especially for Newcastle, having dropped two matches already, um, to, you know, top six or top four rivals, depending on how high they can shoot this season. Arsenal, man, you jumps out at me. Also, your Liverpool, Aston yeah. Villa. It's a great Sunday slate. Yeah, what are you guys looking for this weekend? Yeah, I think the Sunday slate, you know, it's it's our last in America here. We have our last Sunday before football. Uh, American football starts up. And I think this is as good of a, an appetizer as you're going to get. You're getting, you know, Liverpool, Aston Villa. Aston Villa was one of the hottest teams just to end the season last season. They had a bad opening match uh, against Brighton. Um, or Villa, excuse me, against or not Villa against Newcastle. Um, and then since then they've been, you know, scoring goals at will. Uh, I think they've scored 13 goals in their last three matches, including their uh, conference league qualifier midweek. Um, so I, I think that will be a, a very entertaining game. I think there's gonna be goals of plenty to start things off at the the 9 a.m. Eastern time slot. And then you have Arsenal United, which is a an old school rivalry. I think it's, you know, two teams United probably need this more than Arsenal right now, but if Arsenal want to be considered title contenders this year, this is the type of match at home that you would expect them to win. Um, United's kind of got some concerns going on. Uh, you know, we didn't touch about it too much last week. They did escape forest, um, that, that match barely with, with three points, but had they dropped, you know, points in, in that one, they'd be sitting, you know, in the bottom half of the table, probably in line with, yeah, the Fulham's and the crystal palaces of the world. 
um, on par with Chelsea. That's where they are. And then they've been getting enough slack as well. So um, I think United, if they drop all three here, then there'll be some more discontent. You know, that fan base loves to speak up about it. Uh, for Arsenal, like I said, I think they need to have this if they really want to be considered title contenders. If they're dropping points at home to this kind of slow started United side, it's it's what happened to Liverpool, right? Liverpool last season took this slow started United side and got walloped by them. And then United season took off and Liverpool's kind of tanked. Um, so it's going to be a big one. It's, it's, it'll certainly be entertaining either way. Yeah. I, I don't have plays in any of these games yet, but I, Newcastle and Brighton is a toss up, right? One Brighton's plus plus one fifty five. Newcastle's plus plus one sixty. I think yeah. it's a must win for Newcastle. Uh, I really do. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, like you said, two losses out of three, um, of the way week. they lost last weekend just too, a brutal I think, schedule more, right yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's not an easy game they're away from home but they're they really need this one uh you know I'm not, I'm not looking at the draw no bet or the spread or anything like that but i have to imagine that they're definitely a playable side uh in that bet i'm guessing the draw no bet's probably around minus 110 minus 120 somewhere in that realm so i, I would definitely look to that um at least that's how i feel today and, and kind of, I, I feel the same way with Arsenal. I agree with Scott that Man United need to win a lot more, but Arsenal at home, they're minus 125. I think that's a really, really playable number um, on the money line. I mean, there's always a fear of the draw on this one, plus 295 if you're feeling that. Um, but United are a pretty big betting underdog. So if you believe in United, um, you can get a great number on them. But I, I think Arsenal at minus 125 is is probably the way to go. Yeah, and I think those two sides have to be the two sides that came into the season with the biggest ambitions in terms of challenging right. City after last season, right? United came on in the second half when Ten Hag kind of started to put his stamp on the team. Arsenal was there with them for 80, 85% of the season until they lost the second time to City. So definitely, if you want to hang with City, who's hosting Fulham this week and could very well be on 12 points after this, you got you to gotta keep pace to some extent, right? And, um, you know, City at some point will have to play some of the the better teams they, they have played Newcastle we said but they, they did play two newly promoted sides but you're gonna have to keep pace as, as best you can and and draws in these matches only favor a team like City in, in the in the standings yeah. really yeah. it does go that that route no I, I um, mean now the, the more you're saying it the more we're talking about it like I feel like if Newcastle lose this game if they drop three points like I don't know man it's like you're 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 struggling to repeat top four I really believe that much- after that yeah Unless you're just absolutely taking care of every team in the bottom half of the table, which they might, but you know, they went on that magical run a couple of years ago when we started making money with them. They're, they're certainly capable. And you mentioned Isak. I I mean, he's been like a a new signing, right? He's been awesome so far, just the way they even play off of him, whether he's scoring goals or not. But I think they desperately need three points in this game. I I think that's the most critical three points up for grabs this weekend. Yeah. And then, like our friend Baz said, you know, when we had him on for the state of the club, their depth isn't really that great. And so when they get into the part of the season where now that they're in Champions League and they're competing for maybe a trophy with FA Cup or, or the EFL Cup, they're going to start to run into problems with their depth. Um, they're not going to be as fresh. So dropping points early in the season, even though it's not been a, a super easy schedule, right? Probably the hardest schedule of anybody in the league. It still kind of sucks because, you know, it's not going to get that much better when you are playing lower sides but you're going to be playing on you know three days rest yeah for sure so let's move on to Serie A. there are some other big head-to-heads there too um that we we need to talk about quickly before we move into our picks three big ones in Serie A. out of the you know top eight teams that are 
fighting probably for you know the the European spots when all said and done we have uh Friday Roma hosting Milan we have Saturday Napoli hosting Lazio and Sunday Inter hosting Fiorentina Nick what jumps out at you in those three yeah I think um if I'm not mistaken all three of us have a play in the Roma Milan game so I'll save my thoughts there um I, I think Napoli Lazio it's two teams trending in completely opposite directions Lazio has been worse than anybody could have imagined um but for me as a fan of the team it's really frustrating to see the mentality of this team forget about the talent right I think they're largely the same team as they were last year you did lose Milinkovic Savage which is near impossible to overcome but they did buy very smartly problem is none of these new players have had time to train under Saudi they haven't made any impact whatsoever and they lost to two relegation teams it, absolutely unacceptable um, and now they have Napoli and Juve coming up back to back so my issue with it is that this team is never motivated Saudi did not have them ready to play week one or week two. I don't give a shit who's on the field. You got to be better than that. They haven't been. And quite honestly, for the two and a half years that he's been in charge, this team doesn't have the the will to come from behind and, and win a game or snatch points. If they're down by like the 70th minute, three points is out of the question. It hasn't happened. It won't happen. We saw that the first two weeks. Um, really, really rough. And Napoli looked like the defending champions that they are. OC men's off to a three goal start through two games. Uh, Kavara is now back healthy. Rudy Garcia has new players in the lineup. They just got rid of Lozano. Who's terrible. We've bashed him for three years on the podcast. Raspadori and um, Simeone look good. I mean, Napoli's a minus minus one seventy five favorite. They absolutely should be. I don't see any other way that this game goes. And I think inter Fiorentina um, inter should win that game. Fiorentina is another team that hasn't looked very good. They've scored goals, but their defense has been suspect. They've given up goals in both games, even the one where they smashed Genoa. Uh, that you know they gave up goals in that one, so they're going to struggle to score consistently. Same, same old Fiorentina. Fiorentina's got their conference league qualifier on Thursday too, so there they're you go. Have to, Short turnaround, get, yeah, and, 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 and they're down. Behind. They're down they're one nothing. Yeah, so yeah. Inter at home, you have to like them in this game. Before we get into our picks, let me play a quick over-under game with you guys. So home teams in those three matches are Roma, Napoli, Inter. Over one and a half, over under one and a half home team wins out of those three. Wins. Over. over. Okay. Easy, easy over. I will yeah, take the, I will take the under. Paper. Just just, yeah. just the way that things in Serie A have been going. I think there'll be some upsets. I mean, maybe Milan over Roma isn't exactly an upset, but... Um, Lazio did it last year, right? Lazio's beat Napoli. That was their yeah, their and, and that's the thing. Lazio that beat, in the stadium they beat the all the big teams. This is the yeah. same problem they've had for three years. They beat every team that's good. They can't beat the relegation teams. And, and, and I think the thing for Lazio too, Nick, the problem with it's similar to Newcastle in the sense that they kind of overachieved because other teams struggled and they got into top four. But their depth is going to be an issue when Champions yep. League starts up. And if you start and you don't win either of these two matches the next two weeks against Napoli and Juve you're on zero points through four and then Champions League starts kicking off like you're gonna start to struggle more against these mid to lower table clubs and your depth is tested more you need to get three points out of these two matches at least three points minimum I mean you have to win a game it the I don't know all right we'll check back in next weekend I'll take the under I'll say I say two of these away teams will, will get points and uh, just one other match in Europe I want to point out, not in one of the two leagues we generally cover, but it is my boys Union Berlin hosting RB Leipzig. That is a big one in the Bundesliga. Dude, Leipzig look good. 
Leipzig look good, but so did Berlin. They they scored, I think, three down a man uh, yeah. the other day, and I they didn't leave me with any regrets. I I took it last week when you weren't here. I said to Scotty, my biggest regret from from match week one in, in Bundesliga was not taking Berlin. Um, they had a good number on them, and, and I I didn't take it. And then I went back to them last week, and they they cashed. That was one of our few nice results last weekend. So that yeah. that's one to keep an eye on in the Bundesliga, and there's. Sure really big numbers on on both those teams if you like either of that money line and uh, one thing I, I do want to say as we bet it more and cover it a little more goals have not been coming as easily in germany as they yeah. typically do early on in the season it's just something to keep an eye on lines have been set at three and a half i've been looking at yeah. them pretty religiously for overs and they haven't really been coming due so uh just an interesting reversal Whereas like Spain is the opposite, right? Spain would like, you would struggle to get one goal in a lot of these games and every game seems to have two, three, four goals. Just, I mean, we're not a month into the season, but just interesting. All right. So I think we'll head over to our picks for this week. We also have a big guest coming up after our picks. So stick around for that. So Scotty, why don't you kick off our locks of the week for match week four in the premier league and match week three in Serie A. Yeah, I'll start by saying coach snaked Tottenham for me. I am 2-1 and one this season when taking Tottenham, and I am 0-6 when taking anybody else. So, coach, you did be dirty. We'll see if we can get a winner somewhere else. Um, my first one, I'm going to take Aston Villa, double chance, or plus half a goal, whichever gives you better better juice um, at Liverpool. Plus half a goal I'm seeing is plus 125, so that's the one I'm going to be taking. Uh, like I just said, Aston Villa are probably the hottest team right now in terms of goal scoring, 13 goals in their last three matches. And for Liverpool, they're already down to their third and fourth choice center backs. Um, Konate is hurt. Van Dijk picked up a red card uh, against Newcastle, so he'll be suspended for this one. So at best, you're looking at a pairing of Matip and Gomez. Matip, we know, has been injured frequently throughout his career at Liverpool, so I'd expect to see him get rotated like he was at Newcastle. Um, so that means you'll see Kwanzaa coming in, the I think he's 17-year-old center half uh, for Liverpool. Um, so I, I think Aston Villa will probably be getting goals in this one. Um, and like I said, uh, unless I see Klopp actually put Nunez into the starting lineup, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you'll still see Gakpo starting as that false nine. Um, and, and I think it'll it'll be a struggle for for Liverpool. Um, if Aston Villa come out and, and play, you know, fearless, I think they'll get goals. Uh, and really the only way that I see Liverpool getting all three points from this one is in like a 3-2 type shootout where, where Liverpool managed to just outscore Villa. Um, if you're afraid of of Liverpool in this one, Aston Villa team total over one and a half is plus 150. As I mentioned, they're scoring at will. Liverpool's defense is hurt. Their midfield is still kind of getting figured out with, uh, you know, the newcomers that they've brought in. So I think that could also be a decent shout. Liverpool to concede first, a Scotty favorite. Always. Um, that too. Coach, this is week four of the season, week four of picks. Has Scotty faded Liverpool all four weeks or do I have that Only wrong? Only two. Only two. Well, I didn't fade him to start the he, season. It's funny he's fading him after their their big win last week. Coach, too. Yeah. coach faded him next uh, last week. It wasn't me. I didn't okay. take. I didn't it it take was Newcastle. me. It was me. That was. Coach. Oh, I had I had their team to total week one, and they fucking screwed me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just putting us all together in one big blob. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm I'm starting the Premier League with West Ham. This is a Friday match. Uh, something you might want to lock in early because they're minus 125 at Lutton Town right now. Uh, I was shocked to see them yeah. at minus Love this 125. I, w- I was shocked. Uh, I really couldn't believe it when I saw it. That's why I jumped on it right away. Um, after being held to a late draw by Born- Bournemouth in the first weekend of the season, the Hammers have rolled to matching 3-1 victories against Chelsea and Brighton. Brighton was a big surprise for me. Um, Lutton should have a little bounce in their first home match in the Premier League, but it won't be enough against an informed West Ham side, in my opinion. I love this number, and, and I would take it every time. Yeah, Coach like beat me to this pick by... 
I want to say 45 seconds. Like I first thing that stood out to me thing we have to like about West Ham is like all three of their guys are showing up so far. Right. Antonio Ward Prowse and um, Ali Bowen. Oh, Bowen. Bowen. I'm sorry. Ali is Villa. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I got West Ham third, in my power rankings this week, second best team in London behind Tottenham. So that's all you need to know. Yeah. I like that pick as well. So uh, I'm going to stick with Serie A talk tried to rant a little bit but i got to start with napoli lazio game 1 over two and a half. it's at minus 120 and i think that's really what swayed me um you know this number has been minus 170 or worse the last three or four matchups between these teams i know because we cover it every time it comes up uh lazio couldn't stop the three of us right now right they've give, their midfielders have struggled to adapt i kind of mentioned that um, and I think Napoli is flying. So I would be really shocked if Napoli do not get at least two goals in this game. I think this is easy money and it is a hashtag easy over. Love a good easy over this time of year. All right. I will go to my second lock of the week. It's going to be a little, uh, a little bit of a change of pace here. We're going with Everton at Sheffield United. I'm taking the draw line at plus 220. They've actually been 29 Premier League matches so far this season, and yet only five draws. We had two last week, zero in week two, and three in week one. I think it's a weird stat. I have not looked up what the average number of draws is through three weeks in the season, but it feels like this is a very low number, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that's the case. Um, But given that, if there was a match where you would expect there to be a draw, it would be a match against two teams that are battling for every point that they can get and can't score goals, and that's exactly what you have with Everton and Sheffield United here. So I think this is maybe a game that's either 0-0 or if somebody does get on the score sheet, they probably try to protect that lead while the other team tries to go all out. We've seen all the extra minutes and stoppage time usually kind of pay off for the team that attacks in these kind of situations. So um, I'll go ahead and, and take the draw line here at plus 220. I think that's a really good number. All right. I'm going to the my next pick is the one that Scotty was uh, has has some gripes about, and it's Tottenham Moneyline minus 115 at Burnley. A lot of people, including myself, rode off Spurs this summer. However, after clawing back to a 2-1, uh, 2-2 draw against Brentford when they were down 2-1 to open the season, they've managed identical 2-0 wins over United and Bournemouth. Uh, Burnley's lost two home matches to City and Villa to open the season. I like Spurs to stay hot and, you know, don't envy Burnley's, you know, opening schedule with the Lutton Town one, you know, being postponed because of the scheduling issue. So I like Spurs to stay hot. Love the number at minus 115 on the money line. And, and I think they're they're playing some good ball right now. Yeah, this is the this is the case where the books are undervaluing a team and they haven't quite caught on yet, right? It happened with us in, in Newcastle, you know, a year and a half ago, coming out of that January transfer window. Um, I think it's happening out with Tottenham. They, they, it's, they are playing a lot better than what books are expecting to. And at some point in the next two or three weeks, they'll adjust. But until then, you're getting really good value on a good team. And it's so interesting because they're, they adjusted quickly with Chelsea or they're maybe they're overvaluing Chelsea, but they haven't caught up with Tottenham. So Let's ride it. Yeah, that's what it is. You got to ride these teams while they they undervalue them. Absolutely. I would if you didn't steal them from me. <laughs> um, I have to go back to a bet that is like the foundation of this podcast. You mentioned it, Coach. We had a rough week last week. We had one in two weeks across the board for the three of us. So the way that we get out of this slump is to go back to corner kicks. And to do that, we take the best team on the planet, at least in Italy, for corners. That is Inter. Team total corners over five and a half. It is plus money, plus 105. Corners are back. Um, they had eight corners in their first game, seven in their second. I was really tempted to take over nine and a half for the game, but Fiorentina don't really 
get corners or that at least they haven't very well. They're going to be on that short rest as you spoke about coach. So, um, you know, do I bank on them to get four? I, I don't think we can do that here. So I think inter getting to six at plus money is the play corner kicks, kicks and picks back. Did Nick's bring the corners back? Have to. Also back will be Nick's Twitter videos of clearly deflected shots going out for corners, but getting called goal kicks. So yeah, well, for that we, on we, we have, you have to admit though, I don't have the exact stats on this, but that has to be, we've averaged one of those a game, right? At least Easily. one missed corner call a game on a game that we bet corners. Has I would say at probably closer to two. Yes. So stay tuned. All right. So now we will go to our, all of our third picks, which will all feature Milan and Roma. I'm going to start off with Milan first half money line at Roma. My thought process is this Roma has looked bad this season. Like they stink and they're, they're so bad that they're actually talking themselves into Lukaku being a, a great signing and a great deal for them, even though it's a loan and they're only paying five. I think million like a million people fees. showed up to the airport today or something. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's when, you know, a, a team is desperate. So I'm going to go ahead and take Milan first half money line. I mean, Roma's defense has also been just as bad or a reason why they're so bad. You know, they've conceded multiple goals to such offensive juggernauts as Slernitana and Hellas Verona. Um, I think Milan have a little bit more offensive firepower that they can offer than both of those sides. So I expect Milan to come out, especially being away. Nothing really to lose here. Come out on the front foot, try and get a goal or two. Uh, I can see this being a, a quick, easy match for Milan. Um, and the first half money line here at plus 240 is, is massive. So I'll take that. You know, maybe Roma's play here is is they try to like hang in there, even if they're down one nothing at first half, um, try and sneak a goal and in a draw. But uh, the first half money line to me is, is is a very juicy number. All right, like Scott said, we're all going in this match for this one. I'm going Roma versus Milan. Both teams to score at minus one fifteen. Roma's defense has been far from lock tight, like Scotty mentioned, and both of their matches have seen them concede twice. Now, granted, the first one it took some kind of a magic, but they still conceded twice. Uh, but the attack has looked fairly dangerous, and their, their XG was better than what they actually put into the back of the net, those two matches, which gives me some hope that they'll find the back of the net again here. Um, you know, they, they've they've been able to do that so far. Milan's attack's been clicking. I expect them to score at least one, if not more. I really did think about going over 2.5 at plus 125 because that's not a number you usually get with these two teams playing each other, especially the way Roma played defense the last two years under Mourinho. Um, but that could be worth a play too. But I could see this being a one-one, like Scotty said. So I'm taking the both teams to score and and playing it that way. Two things I want to say: they got rid of Ibanez and got worse defensively. And Chris Smalling has looked awful. Looks like Chris Smalling. Yeah, no, I, I put out a tweet last week. Like he's in peak Man United form. Like yeah. he looks fucking terrible. That dude's got burned for just about every goal. Yeah. Um. So that is why I am also going with Milan in this one. I'm taking them full time. I'm taking them draw no bet minus one ten. This is just way too good of a number to pass up. Kind of like the one Scotty got. I, I think you know Roma's at home, and that's the only reason that it's even like this. Um, but you know, listen, have not looked fluid through two games. This is a number that I would take on a surging Milan squad a hundred out of a hundred times. Draw no bet minus one ten. You know, at a principle, I'll probably have to fade that and go like Roma draw no bet because I like to lose money and I'm like too loyal to my club and it'll probably make you win. So uh, I, if you win, I next appreciate week, it. Thank me on the on the show. Hey, I will. <laughs> you got it. All right, Nick, give us our pod lock of the week. Ah, ah I don't want to give it, but I will. Uh, we're going to a team now. The pod lock is three and zero game of the week. Uh, we have to go with the team that 
where the numbers tell us to go. It's Monaco. They burned us last week. Absolutely bad beat, bad beat of the season. It's only been a few weeks, but uh, it's a team that put 27 shots. I think 11 shots on target. They wound up with a 3-3 draw, had them on the money line against Nance. Um, Nance had three shots and three goals. It was just absolutely brutal all the way around. Monaco's been rolling. They've scored three-plus goals in all three of their games. Lens has given up seven goals in their three games so far. We are going with the team total so that they cannot hurt us at the end of 90. Over one and a half goals, minus 125, Monaco, game of the week. Yeah. And the numbers say, right. And when you, and they're at home, I said, you asked what the line was. And I said, minus minus one twenty five. we just couldn't believe it. Right. Yeah. So expect them to continue. All right. So that'll wrap our picks. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're listening on the pod, we have our interview coming up next with Wayne Gerard. We're talking all things Roma. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can catch that as a separate video as well on our YouTube page. So thanks again for watching and listening. And uh, here's to a 10 and weekend. All right, we are going to continue our State of the Club series. We have a very special guest with us, Wayne Gerard. You guys know him on Twitter and on YouTube, at Wayne in Rome. This man has been around the block. You have seen his work absolutely everywhere from AS Roma themselves, Gentlemen Ultra, Football Italia, IFTV. Wayne, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. How are you feeling, man? Feeling great. Hell of an intro. Thank you very much. Um, hey. I'm excited. I always want to talk culture. So let's let's do the business. Yeah, one point through uh through two matches. You're you're excited. I can't say that I feel the same way about my team, but we'll <laughs> we'll get into it. Um let, let, let's jump right in then. So last season, uh maybe a little bit of a disappointment. I'd love to get your general assessment on how Roma did sixth place in Serie A, did make it to that Europa League final, lost on penalties, unfortunately. Give us your high level thoughts. Yeah, I think that the thing which really bothered me about that was the Juventus point deduction because Mourinho goes out and says something really which needed to be said was that when you have a certain team in the table and they're lower or they're more, you adapt your team, you're starting 11, and it reflects that. If you know you've got pushing, you're going to go with players who don't play as much who are not as experienced or not as good. And when you know it's tighter... Well, then you put out a different lineup. So the way that things went back and forth seriously affected Roma. On top of that, they ran out of gas. Like the team is so affected by financial fair play that they can't get really that type of depth to go forwards in not just one, but two or three competitions. So to me, it wasn't so much about the play because at the time, at sometimes the play looked really good. But at other times, it just looked like they were getting exhausted. And when Mourinho can't put out his starting lineup, I think the dominoes began to fall. I don't take blame entirely away from the manager at some points. There always has to be a share of the pie. But I think that so much was about external forces affecting the club. Yeah, I, I think Wayne hit the nail on the head there with the depth, the, the lack of depth. Roma couldn't do it on two fronts. And I... I <clears throat> You can tell me if you agree, Wayne, but I think Mourinho made the right choice going for the Europa League in the end, um, because I think with the the way that team played last season, I think they were more built for tournament football, knockout football, and I, I they came within penalty kicks, right? And when they got to penalty kicks, you saw who was shooting, and you didn't have that great of a feeling about it. But 
I, I think he had to make that choice and because of depth and injuries and everything else. And I, I think if he had to do that over, I, w- I would agree with him to do the same thing. Yeah, definitely tournament style built to play that way. And when that penalty kick is not given, man, it's just, it just seems like it's more than bad luck at times. I think that's fair. Um, I think we would all maybe agree on some of these guys. Uh, I'm thinking about Tammy Abraham. I'm thinking about Bellotti um, as, you know, something of a disappointment last year. Who were the ones that stood out? Uh, Did somebody like Dybala measure up to the expectations Roma fans had for him? Is there anybody that were missing? Who who really stood out for you? And was anybody more of a disappointment maybe than a Bellotti or, or Tammy Abraham? I think a lot of those problems came from the midfield. That You look at Belotti and Tammy Abraham, and those are guys who do well with a midfield that's based around build-up rather than kick the ball up and hope for the best. Those aren't those types of strikers. Those are guys who need to be in the end of the final third between the center backs, playing off the shoulder of the two defenders, the second to last or the last defender, somewhere in that. So because the midfield was so rigid, it seriously affected Tammy, Dr. Bellotti. Now, I'm not saying there aren't a few chances out there where the boys could have done better, but scoring is contagious. And when you are not set up in a way which as which is advantageous to you as a striker, it can go really bad. And unfortunately, it went bad for not just one, but two strikers last year. But I do think that's from the overall team build. And I think that Mkhitaryan was never replaced. And that was like, you know, you can only be as strong as your weakest link. And that omission of Mkhitaryan, to me, spoke volumes. And it, it really showed last season. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think Mkhitaryan was a huge loss last season. They, 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 mix, they miss his, you know, he's just a smart, intelligent player in the midfield. He opened up so much for other players. Uh, two years ago, you saw the, how well Pellegrini played with Mkhitaryan, right? And, and the season he had and kind of the, the downturn he had a little bit last season some knocks and things like that took away from his form. But I, I agree with Wayne. I think Mickey was a, a, a huge loss. And I think we see a little difference. We'll get into this season. But Wayne, we saw with Pelosi, these first two matches, Roma controlled possession in those matches. And he got better chances. And he finished some of those chances where he didn't have to be just kind of like hoof it long to Pelosi and, and hope for the best. Yep. That's why he's succeeding now. And also, he's back to – he said it. He's like, I'm back to 100% now. Yeah. Whatever – a lot of times, you know, if there's an injury, if there's something which is uh, not below ground, but uh, how do you say, like um, something that's just not being highlighted, something that's not public in the news, there are players go through certain things, whether it's mental or physical or it's a hairline stress fracture like Itorbe used to have. And, and it's like, this guy stinks. Well, there was more to it. So, but him being 100% and then scoring three goals in the first game of the season, to me, that says a lot. And just one guy that Steve, you touched on him, but Wayne, I want to get your thoughts on Pellegrini because I, you know, I watch this guy um, that, you know, he's got all the talent in the world game in and game out. He's, it seems like he's everywhere. He's, he's always on or around the ball, but the results just haven't been there for him in terms of goal scoring, in terms of assists. What do you make of Pellegrini? I, I think last season, I think he had a, a bit of trouble fitting in with Dybala at times. I think, he was, you know, two seasons ago, he was the man on the ball a lot of the time in the midfield, the Trey Cortista. He was the one linking with Tammy and with 
Zaniolo and whoever else was, was involved in, in the attack, Mkhitaryan. And I think last season, he really did have trouble fitting in with Dybala. I think we, we saw that where Dybala dominates a lot of the ball. And I think Pellegrini did have some physical things that he tried to play through as the captain. And I, I think he does that a lot more than people realize. I mean, he ate a lot of minutes last year for this team. Um, and then you saw him last week, his first match back after he's suspended in week one. And, and he looked pretty good. I thought he had a pretty good match and in a match where the team didn't play all that well. I mean, we see his set piece ability has grown tremendously in the past couple of seasons. He had hit a post on free kick. He set up Cristante who headed one off the bar off of, of his corner kick. So I'm looking for him to rebound. I think he looks healthier too. And I think that'll make a big difference, but I think it, it is a little bit of him having to gel a little bit better with Dybala and kind of understanding that Dybala is going to drift a lot. Right. And that's what Pellegrini was doing a couple of seasons ago too. I think he was drifting a lot more, how did how do you see it, Wayne, from like a tactical perspective with those two? It's strange to me because at times I've looked at Pellegrini and I've said, this guy is so much better as a box-to-box as an intermedio. And then other games, I'm like, ah, he's not doing so great there. He looks a little lost. And then I'm like, maybe he's a And that, to me, is a bit more of a suitable role because when I watch him play with the national team, I, I see him play free. And he wants to create and he wants to play one, two, and burst forwards, you know, into the final third. And that's, that's him having fun. And I kind of miss that Pellegrini who goes out there and enjoys the game and who played at Sassuolo and did a heck of a job uh, creating plays and just adding into the overall attack. And I miss that right now. I don't know if it's fatigue from last season carries off into this season, but he does look a little bit more invigorated. Uh, I thought his execution in Verona was poor, but I do think that there are special circumstances with that game, especially as Verona was allowed to play their game and sit back once that once the first goal happened. So I would like to see him again and watch him closely. I think that he's going to have a big game against Milan. I know that Dybala is doubtful, so he's not going to be playing 90 minutes. And like Steve, you mentioned, I want to see how he plays without Dybala versus when Dybala is on the pitch. That's something I really want to tactically pay attention to and just see his body language how does he contribute in which phase whether it's defensive or offensive or so i think that's a subplot coming into friday so given your your outlook on the squad and, and your perspective on how they've performed let's talk about the manager with with Mourinho, a man that has you know no shortage of opinions thrown written about him on any given week are you guys happy with with how he's been doing at Roma so far? Do you feel like he's been getting the most out of the squad or do you think he's been maybe, you know, had a few missteps or, or has, you know, made some decisions that maybe have cost Roma some points or some, some important matches here and there over the course of the last few seasons. I am happy with Mourinho for what he's developed for the club mentally. I think that he has gotten a lot of character building in the works, I really see it. Roma, for a period of time, I think for the majority of the season, was the team who scored the most goals from the 80th minute on. And I still see that never-give-up attitude instilled in them. He's no-nonsense, and it's not just like he's out there barking. He's actually relatively quiet with his own players. It's not like he is this big, like, uh, Antonio Conte type of motivator. So I do think he gets as much out of them tactically. Uh, sometimes it hurts as a fan. You want to see your boys go out there and play football and sling passes around and, uh, you know, make you smile by the way that they play sometimes. But with Mourinho, it's different because it's so thematic. It's, you, you know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get a low block. They're going to try to counterattack. 
against Verona, they had to come out of their shell a little bit more. It didn't look completely natural. I wish there was more of a plan B, but the best managers in the world are not necessarily inventors, but they're guys, they're managers who have a set way that they play. That's what they built their bread and butter on. But even though you say that, like Ancelotti plays a certain way, Christmas tree formation lets his best players play to their strengths. At the same time, Mourinho has played a couple different formations. And now I see a couple tweaks from the 3-4-2-1 through a 3-5-2. And I'm liking what I see so far. So tactically, last year, I wasn't the biggest fan. What I see now does seem like it fits the current crop of players the best. Steve? Yeah, I agree. I think from the mental standpoint is where we've seen a huge difference with Roma in the way that they fight. They don't give up against smaller clubs when they're down. We even saw it last week against Verona. They they were fighting to the end in that they were down 2 nothing until pretty late in that match. Um, and you're right. He doesn't really go after the players the way Conte does. He does it more in the media where he'll protect his players, I think. And some people may see what he's saying as excuses. But I think a lot of what he's saying is the truth when he's talking about the you know, the type of players Roma has not being good enough for top four or, you know, the depth isn't there to compete on, on two fronts or whatever. And he, and he's very, it's very Frank. I think a lot of the time, and sometimes that's refreshing. I think um, the tactics you're right. They did for two seasons, sometimes watching that sit back in the low block against like the Milans and Inters of the world. And you're just like, all right, can, can we try to try to do something here? Like we have Dybala on the team. Now we have Tammy who was coming off a really good season. Like let's try to score some goals. And I guess in some ways that's him trying to just, protect his his defense and protect his midfield that wasn't very good last year um, by kind of just using numbers. And I think you're right. I think we've seen some more tactical flexibility, even though he hasn't been on the sidelines, you know, he's, you know, involved some way in, in uh, the ear of Bruno Conti. Like, you know, there's no way Bruno Conti's managing the match. He's not with the, the club every day. And um, we have seen switches to the four man back line this season. We've seen some changes to the shape. And I, I think that's refreshing. I hope that against Milan, we don't come out Friday and just kind of sit back and sit back and wait and wait and wait and then not kind of go hit Milan until they've punched us in the mouth once or, or twice, which has happened in, in the past in some of these big matches. Um, and, and that's hopefully what we're going to see more of this year, where there, there's that more flexibility. If we have to go four-man back line, do it. Um, utilize some more of the, the midfielders when they're healthy, like the Renato Sanchez is that we brought in, and, and, and kind of be a little bit more aggressive, I think, going forward sometimes. So the, the goodwill towards what he's been achieving on the pitch is still kind of offsetting some of the, you know, maybe extracurricular struggles that, that comes with Mourinho. As you mentioned, coach, he hasn't been on the, the, the sidelines yet this season because he's serving a, a, a sideline ban that there's still no concerns right now with, you know, some of the stuff that comes with Mourinho in terms of how he handles the media or, or interviews or even the refs. I like it. <laughs> it's not the PC thing to say, but I'm in favor of it. No one else sticks up for the club. The president of Rome doesn't speak. Uh, there's no press officer. I wish it were me. It's not. I live in Jersey City, uh, regardless of the flag behind my head. Um, but I think that he sees that there's a need, and he says it honestly, and sometimes the media doesn't know how to handle it. And I love the way that he goes back with them. And it's not necessarily like it's not combative. He's just like, he just speaks truth and he just drops facts and people don't know what to do. And I love, love it. <laughs> I love yeah, to see I, them squirm. Yeah. I think just because the freakins are so quiet, like you said, they're behind the scenes owners and Pinto doesn't say a whole lot. I think he's kind of taken on the face of the club role where he's the one that is the mouthpiece for the club. And, and I think when there's refereeing issues, which we saw in the Europa league final, which could have cost them that final, right. Things like that. He's going to speak out. Um, maybe his behavior with uh, the, the English ref, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, wasn't the, the best, but 
Um, I, I, I'd have no problem with, with it. And the goodwill with the fans, I think, will last as long as Roma is doing what they're doing in Europe and, and competing. Because you have to remember, before Roma won that conference, like they hadn't won a trophy in a long time, uh, over a decade. And they, they nearly won back-to-back European trophies, which pretty much no Italian clubs do anymore these days, right? Let alone a club like Roma, who has almost no European history in terms of winning. So let's let's transition into you know some of the stuff that's going going on in the summer into the season, busy transfer window for for Roma. I think that at least you know from what I can tell, maybe this is more than what you guys have been expecting. But a lot of players coming in, um, a lot of offensive help. You know, you've you've got attacking midfield and Awar. Um, you have uh, Asmoon, the Iranian striker, and um, more recently in this week, we've got Romu Romulu Lukaku coming in on loan from Chelsea. Do you guys feel like a lot of the needs that Roma maybe were missing coming into the season have been addressed? Or do you still think even with some of this transfer activity, there's still gaps that remain in the squad? Yeah, I think that they have addressed many of the needs, right? They Tammy Abraham getting hurt was killer. It was like 13 minutes at the end of the season last season that he blew out his his, his ACL, the Roma ACL curse struck. It really, I think, affected their whole transfer plans. I think Tammy might have been the guy who was sold maybe along with Ibanez to kind of fund their summer. So it's been a lot of dealing with those FFP um, agreement regulations where they can't spend so much money. And Awar and Indica were, were free signings. I think Indica was brought in because they knew that Ibanez probably was the guy they would, they would move this summer. Uh, we haven't seen him yet. Um, Lorente was a, another loan deal. Christensen, a loan deal. Both guys from Leeds, t- a team that was relegated, looking to offload some salary. Um, Awar, that free signing to me, he looks very good so far. I think he's going to kind of take on that Mkhitaryan role that Wayne and I were talking about that they missed. Um, he's he's looked very impressive so far. Renato Sanchez is, is another classic example of Roma taking a chance on a player who's coming off injury, very highly touted in the past, very talented player, already missed a match, probably misses this week because of a, a already a minor, you know, muscle issue. But I think he's got a lot of talent. And if, if he can keep healthy, that fills a need in the midfield to push the ball through the midfield, which they haven't had uh, last season. Um, Paredes, I don't really rate that much, but I understand why he was brought in to, to kind of just fill the role in the deep lying midfield after Matic left unexpectedly. Um, I was speaking with Nima Tavali today. Um, he follows the Iranian national team closely. He had a lot of good things to say about Asmoon and Lukaku. I, I know you and Nick aren't so high on him. I know at 30 going on 31, he's not the same player he was. Hold when up he was scoring. coach. Don't say it's just me and Nick, because you are not high on him either. Don't be changing your tune just because he's coming. No Roma fan was high on him. Until don't even, week. don't yeah, even pretend that this is a me and that's Nick my thing. Stance on Wait, it. When you look at it from a Roma perspective, even at 30 years old, if he's a 15 goal scorer, that's an upgrade for Roma after what they went through last year. And I think he offers a different dimension at striker in the matches that Mourinho wants to play a little bit more defensive and have a guy they can, the ball to hold up play and do those things. I think he's going to combine well with Dybala. The, the one place I will say I, I'm concerned is goalkeeper right now, and I'll, I'll see what yeah. Wayne thinks about that, but Rui Patricio, I think, is a bit past it, and if the defense isn't as solid as last year, you might need a goalkeeper who's going to bail you out once in a while, and I don't think Rui's doing that. Last year, his uh his you know XG, like post-shot XG that they track goalkeepers with, it was like minus 6.4, which is one of the worst in Serie A. Um, and it hasn't been so great to open the year. So, I, I mean, I, I like the Mercato. It started very slow, but I think Pinto has really done a great job bringing in players to fill needs without spending much money. Yeah, when you're feeling so constrained, the transfer fees, you can only really get these free, free options. You know, instead of one, you got to analyze them. Do they fit your – because there's only X amount of free players out there, right? Are they going to fit your system too? If they do, 
then you got to actually convince these guys. And you know what? Every other club, most clubs want those free transfers too, especially since there are financial parameters at this time. On top of that, I just, it bothers me in that the keeper situation has continued for a long time. I think I get this FOMO of other big clubs having talent, young talent right now. And I look at Roma, I I don't want to crucify them because I understand the way, I understand why, but I would have liked to see a little bit more emphasis in young players. And I don't know if that's being impractical, but I look at um, some of the some of the guys that come from Inter's Youth Academy, and they're really talented. Uh, just across Italy, even Atalanta has great scouting. Roma's scouting was like Solbakken, a guy that they faced, and he did a good job. They got him in. Other than that, it's been these options which are feasible or make economical sense. And I get it. I just feel like Roma could have, I don't know, maybe we could have done the strategy a little bit differently years ago. Like we shouldn't be in the position we're in now. I do think we should emphasize the young guys a little bit more. And Mourinho is doing that. I'm not saying he's not. I just know that there's so much talent in Rome. And for us to now be in this position where we are confined. Okay, so if we're confined, let's do let's let's switch things up a little bit. Let's start to play with an emphasis in our academy. And let's make sure that every team plays like this and we hire a manager who plays like this. Develop an ethos. So for me, I I want to see things done a little bit differently. Am I happy with the players that have been brought in? But it is, yeah, it's emergency purchase or whatever loan. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. And Dika is good. It's solid. Guy's great one-on-one. He's going to develop. He's young. He's going to have a transfer fee attached to him too when he does leave Roma. Um, so that's great plus Valenza. Award, excellent. That's that's a coup. That's definitely my player of the Mercato thus far. Lukaku, good. You know, it's good. Would I have maybe done things differently in the sense of like, okay, Belotti's doing really good. Let him be, let him cook, let him do his thing, keep him confident, and then sign somebody younger? I think so. I know that's not the popular thing. I know that's not that's not what's going to get 5,000 people to the airport, but that's me. Yeah, and I think when you mentioned the younger players, too, we, we talk about when we move into the guys that departed, because they really only sold Ibanez and Matic unexpectedly. But they had to sell Volpato, they had to sell Tahirovic, they had to sell Misori just to get to that 30 million euro area where they had to get to with the FFP negotiations that they went through with UEFA, where Volpato seems like a pretty talented kid. Tahirovic, you know, for Mourinho to bring him in at 18 years old and Matic to talk pretty highly of him, he's probably pretty talented and now he's at Ajax, right? Um, I think Roma's academy produces players, they just don't really get the chance in Rome enough. Uh, you know, even Pellegrini had to go away on loan for two years before he really was given a chance in Rome. He had to prove himself elsewhere. Do you think of some of these other guys that we've used as makeweights in, in the past? Fratesi, right? He was used as makeweight for Gregoire de Frel, who ended up going back to Sassuolo was a bust anyway. I mean, that right there is, is it, it blows your mind, right? Politano was a guy who came good elsewhere. Uh, there, there's others too that maybe aren't as, as great, but like a Caprari's like a squad type player. It's so frustrating because you know Fatikanti is going to be good. Tahirovic yep. is already doing really good for Ajax. I'm like, damn it, man. Yeah, you bring up Fratesi, Politano. It gets under my skin. I got to be honest. And then you even think about guys that want to come back. Like Fratesi wanted to come back desperately last summer, right? And they they didn't make it happen. 
Skamaka was basically begging to come back this summer, and now he's at Atalanta because they got that Hoyland money. Uh, it, it's frustrating well, from that regard too. But 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 if you had all those players together, Steve, and they played for for years now, they would have built up such a chemistry. They would have been good, man. That would have been a really good team. And I think that's at the core. I think that's really what I've been trying to say. Yeah. So I I mean that leads us. You pretty much answered it for us, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, you know the situation. Listen, I don't think it's that dissimilar to a lot of clubs in Italy. Italy is a disaster. The league itself is is a shell of what it was. So behind the scenes, uh, you know, you mentioned the Friedkins, you mentioned Pinto. These guys came into sort of a mess, right? I, I think that's something that's fair to say. At least I've heard Steve say it in the past, so I'm going to take it as fact. Um, you know, not the easiest situation over the past couple of years. You got Mourinho in there who – has changed the culture of the the locker room. You know, some of these players, I think, have probably come to the team uh, because you have a Mourinho there, right? A name like that. Financial fair play is is what it is. Uh, I don't think any of us fully understand it because it seems to depend on which club you actually are and not how you operate. Give give me the overall assessment. I mean, what we're talking about a sixth and seventh place finish the last two years since Mourinho's been there since this ownership group has kind of been in there, what's the outlook? Are you guys happy overall? Are you happy considering, or do you think something needs to happen? I think they're fifth place. I see Milan. It's very strong. Juventus looks awesome. Well, maybe not awesome, but I think they'll figure it out and they will be a strong team. Napoli looks great. Inter are strong. Where does Roma fit in with a Lukaku who's, Probably best, past his best years, uh, a decent midfield, an okay defense, and a not good keeper. Is that enough to break that top four, man? I I don't see it. I wouldn't bet on it. If I'm trying to be a neutral, I'm trying to be practical and not like, yeah, Dayeroma. Like, yes, Dayeroma. I love this team. But <laughs> at the same time, like I know that the expectations of I, I read a lot top four, top four right now. Why? Like based off of what that that's that's what's missing for me is based off of what yeah i think it really comes down to to health dibal's got to stay healthy lukaku's got to stay healthy and produce and and rui's got to be able to react to, to shots a little bit better right i mean that that's scary because even if roma's scoring goals if, if the defense is not as good as it was the past couple seasons you know what did they lose in matic in the center of the midfield they're protecting that that defense that has looked a little shakier this year I, I think overall, Nick, in terms of the Freakins, you have to be fairly happy with what they've done, I think, as, as a Roma fan, because they've really injected a lot of their own cash into the club to to get the finances better. Um, you know, they they went big for Mourinho, right? And I, I think they have to be, you know, congratulated for that because they brought Roma a trophy nearly a second. Um, Pinto, he gets a lot of heat. He got a lot of heat this summer, but I think in the end, I think he he was working behind the scenes a lot more than Romanisi thought because in the end they brought in quite a few players and I think the squad is upgraded from last season overall in terms of talent and depth. Um, but again, fighting with FFP is tough. Um, and, and I do think some of those like free agent signings and even like the Lukaku loan signing, I, I think that has a lot to do with Mourinho's persona though. And, and, and he still has that reputation. He might not be the Mourinho that he was at Real Madrid or Inter's treble. And he might not have that same, I guess, uh success that he was having at that point and that's probably why he's at Roma now right because this was kind of like last chance um for him in some ways with a, a bigger club and he's proving he can still get trophies for clubs 
Um, but I do think like Awar, Indica, Dybala, Lukaku, like even Sanchez, do these guys come to Rome if Mourinho's not the coach? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. A lot of them. All right. We'll, we'll shift gears into to what we expect coming up for this season. Um, Wayne, you kind of touched upon it. You know, where do we really expect or, you know, Roma to fall in, in the context of the league and, and what the squad is for, for Roma right now, where do you realistically see them finishing in Serie A this year? And, and what do you think their goal should be for, for this coming campaign? I think they finished fifth. I think their goal and what they really can achieve is the Europa League championship. I think they can win it. I think this team knows what it takes by Mancini, Smalling, Man, if if uh, Sanchez is there, he he can really destroy. Hopefully, the bracket is fortuitous and kind to Roma. And if it is, if it's halfway decent, I think they can win the whole thing. I I, I agree. I think that is reasonable. I think they will shoot for top four. They're they're stating that top four is their their goal. Especially, I think that's the the signal of intent with Lukaku signing. I think the club desperately needs to get back to Champions League, but. Like Wayne said, if, if they do win the Europa League, which I think they're fully capable of, of after last season, that's also a route to the Champions League. So they don't necessarily have to finish top four to make the Champions League. Um, could they finish fourth? I think they could if everything goes right and maybe Juve doesn't find its footing as well as it should or you know, Lazio continues to struggle. Atalanta is up and down at times. I think there is margin of error to finish fourth. I think fifth is more likely based on what we've seen from all these clubs over the past couple seasons. And, you know, maybe the injury histories of Dybala and some of these things. Um, I think Napoli, Inter and Milan though are, are clearly ahead right now. And I think it could come down to like Juve, Roma, um, maybe Atalanta, maybe Lazio, maybe even Fiorentina gets in the mix. I think it's gonna be a very tight race for fourth. And uh, we'll see if Roma's got enough to, to do it on both fronts, but Europa league, I think is, is also got to be a, a stated target again after what they did last year. All right. Give us one out on the limb balls to the wall prediction, player prediction club. Try. I mean, you, you told us Europa league, but who's going to be the guy this year? Oh, uh, the one guy, the guy, if it's, Oh, I think it is going to be, I want to say our but I think Belotti is going to be the lifeline of the club. Okay, oh, I, I like it. I, <laughs> I like it. I, I was I was sitting here with it at the tip of my tongue. I, I, I it's hard to project like stats on Awar. I think he's going to be a big impact player for them. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Belotti scores in the 10 to 15 goal range if he gets enough playing time. Depending on how much Lukaku takes off him in terms of playing time. Well, he already doubled last year's goals, right? Yeah. I think that midfield is going to really help Belotti. I think he's going to thrive off them. If he yeah. just did that against uh, Slatanitana, I think that 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 defensive pair, I wouldn't have pegged for that either because Fazio and Guillombar are actually halfway decent center backs when they can play so low and have a guy like, uh, you know, muscling one another. And the way that Belotti just kind of, uh, um, I want to say a certain word, but um, it's a PG show. The way that he ah, manhandled, you could say uh, <laughs> the way that he manhandled um, Fazio to me, I was like, yes, and seeing him push it past him like three times, it's like that's my man. So I was happy to see that. All right, well, let's wrap up the uh, the episode. We're gonna play one of our favorite games. It's buy or sell. Wayne, the way this works, I got some statements for you. You can tell me if you're going to buy that statement or if you're going to sell it. Uh, we'll start off easy. 
Uh, we'll take a look at uh, Roma's point totals for the season. Do you buy or sell Roma getting over 64 and a half points this campaign? What is that times three? Or divided by three? It'd be about 22 be 20 wins. wins. 22 wins would get you to about 66. 22 wins? Oh, God. So for context, they finished with 63 last season. I'm buying. Thank you. That is great context, actually. Yeah, I'm going to buy as well. Um, 70 needed champion. You needed 70 for Champions League last year. So that just shows they do need a pretty big improvement if things go similar. But I do buy over 64 and a half. I think they're, they're, they are slightly better this year. One point through two games. You guys are bold. I like it. We'll go uh, player focus for our next buy or sell. The man of the hour, Romelu Lukaku. Over 14 and a half league goals this season. Buy or sell? Sell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy. Yeah, coach, number one Lukaku fan all of a sudden. Of course he's going <laughs> to I, I, just, I, just, I just think he's going to be motivated, and as long as he's healthy, I think he scores 15 pairing with Dybala. All right. Well, speaking of Dybala, he's the focus of our next buy or sell. Nick's favorite buy or sell category. Dybala, over 24 and a half games played this season. Is that in the, only? in the league? In the league, sorry. In yeah. the league. Sell. He played 25 last season, so it's 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 right on the cusp there. Yeah. I, I my lines are to, good. I'm going to say I'm gonna sell just because I think even if he stays healthy, I think they have more depth that he could be rested a little bit more. Um, I think they're not gonna want to risk him as often as they had to last year. I'm, I'm, at least that's my hope. And how many games has he played so far this season? He played one because he was suspended for the first. It's not a good start. 50%. And now he's hurt. And now he's got a minor little thing. Oh, that's how it starts, coach. All right. Maybe we'll go a little more positive on this one. Belotti, over nine and a half league goals, buy or sell? Bye. Bye. He already scored a third of those uh, against Slavonitana. We 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 already bought that one. I already called ten to fifteen last segment. Yeah, so that's an easy one. And then we'll we'll close with with some some buy or sells on our, our favorite man, Jose Mourinho. Another one of Nick's favorites going with red cards over two and a half red cards for Jose Mourinho this season. I think it's a buy, probably right, Wayne. That's a buy. <laughs> buy. That's surely a buy. I lowered my judging number. by the refereeing this last week. That refereeing for sure. If they're going to be doing that to Juventus, oh, I don't know. I want to know what, what's going to happen to Roma. Yeah, I, I was initially going to set that line a little bit higher, but then I realized he, he he's already missed a couple games for Roma. He's already suspended in Europe. I was like, oh, maybe he'll calm down a little bit. Maybe he's learned his lesson, but I think this isn't over. We'll close it with this one is mine. Um, you know, I, I've often made the the joke that Mourinho is a, a three year manager. He always wheels start to fall off in season three. This is season three for Roma. So do you buy or sell Mourinho still being the head coach for Roma come June 1st of next year? He's nah. I think he wins the Europa League and he's out. Oh, a positive exit for Mourinho. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's hard because his contract's up at the end of the year and he hasn't renewed yet. Um, I think the only way he's back next year potentially is if they make Champions League and a, another big squad doesn't come calling. That might intrigue him, like a, a Madrid or someone like that, and maybe or he Saudi. around. Yeah, fifty million a year to coach in the Saudi league. I think that's on the table. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Wayne, that'll wrap up the episode. Um, Listen, tried to give you the best introduction I possibly could, but we want to thank you so damn much for coming on. Please let the viewers, the listeners know what you're up to these days, where they can find you, 
plug away. I'm excited, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to live the dream. I want to be out there reporting at Roma Club New York, Roma Club DC, whatever it is. That's uh, that's one thing for this year. I'm really trying to focus on. In the past, yeah, I've written for or done editorial stuff for Roma and IFTV and video, but now I think I more than anything just want to you know get fans stories out there and broadcast from places and uh keep it going and just make something fun that people can roma fans in particular can unite around you know and and see where it gets me and if if nothing more at least uh at least i could do something for what it means to be a fan of italian football in whatever small way so that's kind of like i've had a lot of uh how to say like not eye opening, but really trying to put things into perspective in the past year or so of my life to think, you know, what is this all for? And that's one thing I, I just want to, I try to think, you know, what am I decent at, man? I was at the beach yesterday, not to get philosophical, but trying to think like, what do I know how to do? And I was like, I kind of know how to cook and be a parent and talk about football. And I was like, so that's what I'll do. And I'll just try to be the best at it or, Give it my best. <laughs> That's the goal now. Keep on Twittering. Keep on YouTube. <laughs> really appreciate you coming on, dude. And you know, Steve. Steve, love. We give Steve a lot of shit, but he he knows his shit. But he um he's a little bit more of the homer when it comes to Roma. I appreciate your even keeled, uh, you know, <laughs> logical perspective on the team. Definitely. Uh, Thank definitely you. Great episode for Thank sure. <laughs> Thanks, guys.